The scripture reading for this evening comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It'll be verses 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This next song we're going to sing, Let the People Sing Him Amen, will be right before Tim speaks. And um, uh, there are a couple of things I would like to uh, talk about before we sing it. And that is the use of the word amen and the use of the word alleluia. And because this song is a really, really short song, um, we can overlook these words uh, and not catch the drift of what the author was looking for, I think. So... The first verse is, let the people sing amen, amen. And the Hebrew kind of has the idea of, so be it. So whatever my life is, so be it. And then the alleluia is the Hebrew word for praise to God. It really comes across more like sing a praise song to God, to Jah, to Jehovah. So when you're singing those words, think if you can think in those terms when you're singing those two words, uh, maybe the word, maybe the song will change and have slightly different meaning. So, let the people sing Amen. Let the people sing Amen, Amen. Let the people sing Amen, Amen. Let the people sing Amen, Amen. Let us go as the light to the nations. Let us go as the light Well, good evening. I'm glad to be speaking with you here tonight. The, uh, the last time uh, my spot came up in the rotation, the, uh, we, sh we shut down the house. We, there's no power. And uh, last time that I preached to you was from the, uh, from the college house at 708 Maple Street. I'm so glad to, to be able to address you uh, in a well-lit building and probably should knock on wood or something right now. Uh, and if the power goes out during this lesson, um, for, for you that are watching at home, it, it's, it was probably meant to be. Um, but for the uh, seven of us or eight of us that are here tonight, you're not so lucky because I'm going to keep going. <laughs> But, but I am, uh, am very privileged and honored any time I get to uh, share God's word with you. We're very excited uh, this evening to have another outdoor singing. 
uh, in just a little bit. Um, we're going to try to start a little bit early, so I promise I'm going to try to finish a little bit early. Um, we'll, we'll try to start around 7.15, so bring your lawn chairs, your camping chairs, and, and be ready to sing with us. Uh, we're looking forward to, to being with each other doing that uh, outside in just a little bit. The uh, Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox, most of y'all have heard of the Boston Red Sox before. Uh, in 1901, they were an upstart Major League Baseball franchise. They had just started up and found success almost immediately. Um, just two years after their inception, they won their first World Series, and they followed that up by going back to the World Series the very next year. Um, they lost that World Series, but the, the Red Sox of the early 1900s were uh, building what some considered to be the first real sports uh, dynasty. Uh, they were incredible. Uh, they had Hall of Fame players like Cy Young. Cy Young, the, the guy who they named the best pitcher in the league award after. Cy Young was on the Red Sox. Tris Speaker, uh, Smokey Joe Wood, they led the way. The Red Sox were almost unbeatable. Uh, in fact, between 1903 and 1918, they went to the World Series six times, and they won five of those World Series. And in 1914, the Red Sox signed a pitcher out of Baltimore named George Herman Ruth, uh, who would indeed become a very good pitcher for the Red Sox. But it was in 1919 that Babe Ruth set the major league record for home runs in a season and go on to be the man that is widely considered to be the, the greatest baseball player of all time. Well, as time went on, the Red Sox changed ownership and they had a new owner named uh, Harry Frizee, and he was wanting to finance a Broadway play, and so he decided to sell Babe Ruth to the rival New York Yankees uh, in order to be able to have the money to put on this play and without the Babe, the Red Sox run of success was over. Uh, in fact, if you're a baseball fan, you've heard of the Curse of the Bambino, which is one of Babe Ruth's many nicknames. Uh, and and, and for, for 86 years, Boston was uh, mired in, in, in failure. And they were the picture of failure because they just couldn't get over this franchise-altering move that they made when they gave up Babe Ruth. And Boston fans for 86 years felt cursed. And they would say, why us? Why us? They would cry over and over year after year because after so much early success, they could not get over the hump. They could not win a World Series. And Boston gave fans a lot of evidence of a curse, or it seemed to be cursed. In 1978, in 1978, they had a 14-game lead over the New York Yankees. And in seven weeks, right, right before the end of the season, they saw that lead uh, disappear. And they, had, uh, they were tied with the Yankees on the last game of the season, uh, on the last day of the season. So they had to play a one-game playoff to see who would go uh, to the playoffs. And in that game, the light-hitting utility infielder who probably wasn't even supposed to play that day, Bucky Dent, the most improbable hero for the Yankees, hit a home run in Boston, sent the Yankees to the playoffs, and the Yankees would eventually win the World Series. Why us? Why us? We were so close. We had a 14-game lead, and Bucky Dent <laughs> beat us with a home run. 
1986, it really looked like the Red Sox had broken the curse. They were, they were in the World Series. They were leading the Mets three games to two in the World Series. And in the deciding game, in game six, in the ninth inning, they had a, a lead with two outs. And Mookie Wilson had two strikes on him. They were literally one strike away from breaking the curse. And if you're a baseball fan, you know what happens next. Mookie Wilson hit a very weak ground ball down the first baseline, and the usually sure-handed Bill Buckner somehow let that ball squirt right between, right under his gloves and right into right field. And the Mets were able to rally. It went to extra innings. They won in extra innings. And then they came back riding that momentum and won game seven. And the Mets fan says, see, we are cursed. One strike away from breaking the curse. And, 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 and we lost. Why us? Why us? And, and as they're watching that ball just dribble gingerly into right field, they're thinking, why us? Why us? Have you ever felt cursed? I'm not talking about anything supernatural. But have you ever felt like sometimes if it can go wrong, it's going to go wrong? Like a Red Sox fan waiting to see the awful thing that's going to happen to derail your, your success or derail your discipline or your plans or your happiness. Here we go again. Why me? Why me? Here, it's happening again. This failure, it's coming on me. Here it comes again. And when hard times come, it can be very easy to feel that way. Why me? Why do I have to endure this? Why do I have to endure this, this pain, this, this rejection, this heartache, this, this failure, whatever it is? Why, do, why me? Why does it seem like I'm always the one that's carrying this burden? I wonder if this is how David felt when he wrote the 13th Psalm. And he said, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David says, why me? David had a lot of why me moments throughout his life, didn't he? Psalm 13 may have been written when David's running away from King Saul, who was hunting David to kill him. David feels like an animal hiding from cave to cave, shouting, why me, God? Why me? Why does this man want to kill me? And as the armies of Saul are, are, are hunting him down, why me? Why does it feel like you've forgotten me right now? Why does my enemy keep defeating me? Why can't I get a win? Why, why is Saul constantly winning and I'm here just narrowly escaping death? Why me? Why am I having to go through this? Maybe this was written around the time that he finds out that his best friend Jonathan has died. Why? Why? Why can't this person who I love so much be a part of my life anymore? Why me? Have you ever cried those tears? Why me? Why do I have to be the one that lost this relationship? Why has this friend been taken from me? Why, why did this relationship get severed? Why is this person not my friend anymore? Why don't I have my best friend? What, what happened to my confidant? Why me? You know, my, my daughter this year, as, as everything's kind of changing with school, one of, her, one of her closest friends since kindergarten uh, found out she had to, 
to move away. They're, they're uh, uh, moving to Oklahoma. And, and that's really hard for a 10-year-old, but it's hard for a 38-year-old too. Why, why? Why does this friend that I love so much, why are they not going to be in my life anymore? Why me? After David had committed adultery with the wife of Uriah and Bathsheba had become pregnant, the New King James in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16 says, David pleaded with God. He pleaded with God for the child that Bathsheba was going to be bearing. But that child was, would not live. That child would not survive. Why, God? Why me? Why, my child? What, what are you doing? Why, well, this, this is a pain I cannot bear. Why do I have to carry this burden? And, you know, that wasn't the only child that David lost either. His, his son Absalom wanted to kill David. And when Absalom's mule becomes entangled in the thicket and, and runs off while Absalom is still, still entangled, he becomes a sitting duck. And Joab kills him. And David cries, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if I'd only died in your place... Absalom, my son, my son, why me, God? Why, why do I have so many problems with my family? Why is this happening to my family? Why is there this dysfunction? Why me? Why does my son hate me? Why does my son want to kill me? And in spite of all that, why do I still have to lose him? Why do I have family problems? Why don't my kids respect me? Why don't they want to spend time with me? Why don't my kids care about eternity? Why me, God? Have you ever found yourself asking some of those questions? After 86 years of why us, the, the mantra for the Boston Red Sox changed in 2004. It went from why us uh, to why not us. And that was the title of, of Lee Montville's uh, book that he wrote about the improbable 2004 season for the Boston Red Sox. The 2004 Red Sox played well. But when they faced their familiar rival, the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series, it looked like the curse had struck again. They found themselves down three games to zero on the brink of elimination, and they're trailing by a run in the ninth inning of this elimination game, and they have to face the greatest closer of all time, Mariano Rivera. And I guarantee Red Sox fans were already thinking, here we go again. Why us? Why us? We can't, we cannot overcome this. And for some reason, the team at that moment was thinking, why not us? Why not? Our backs are against the wall. No one believes that we can do this, but why can't we? Why not us? And the Red Sox did the unthinkable three outs away from another failure, another season of disappointment, uh, another why us, the Red Sox were able to force extra innings against Mariano Rivera. And they won that game four in extra innings to stave off elimination. And then they won game five. And then they won game six. And then they became the first team in Major League Baseball history to overcome a 3 nothing deficit to win a playoff series when they beat the Yankees in game seven. And they said, why not us? And they went on and they won the World Series. They broke the curse in 2004. Sometimes I can really get down in that why me. 
Sometimes life punches really, really hard. You know, for 10 of the last 20 months, I've been unemployed, laid off twice. And during that time, my my mother passed away. And I've got to be honest with you, there were times that I thought, why me? Why me? Why does this keep happening to me? Why did I have to lose my job? Why did I have to lose my mother? Why did I have to lose my income? Why? Why me? And many of you I know in the last couple of years have suffered great losses and greater losses than I have. And maybe you've been asking yourself sometimes the same question, why me? Why me? When am I going to catch a break? And when I get down and my back's against the wall and I'm losing in the ninth inning in an elimination game of life, sometimes I need to think instead of why me, why not me? Why not me? You know, this is a biblical principle, uh, biblical principle and one of the, the best and, and, and first instances I can think of this why not me is what we see in, in Esther. And Esther becomes a queen and all her life is as it should be. She has everything that a little girl would dream of having. She is the queen in the palace. She has nothing to worry about. No one knew that she was a Jew, but now she has become burdened with the plight of her people. And I can only imagine her thinking, why me though? Why me? Why why can't I just live in my palace? Why can't I just pretend like this isn't happening? Why can't I just be the queen and not make waves and not stir the pot? Why me? Why do I have to be the one to try to make this right? And as Haman is plotting for the demise of the Jews and Esther has to risk her life to talk to the king on behalf of the Jews, she's thinking, why me? And Mordecai tells her in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, he says, listen, the Jews are going to be saved. The Jews are going to be saved. It's either going to be by you or by someone else. So why not you? Why not you? He says, maybe you have come to the kingdom for just this purpose. Why not you? And Esther gains her confidence. In verse 16, she says, if I die, I die. But this is what needs to be done. So why not me? I love her attitude. Why not me? God has the confidence in me to place this weight upon my shoulders because he knows I can handle this. So why not me? I guarantee it didn't make it any less scary for her or difficult for her, but it made it doable for her. And and only because it was doable, she was victorious. Not because, you know, I've thought about this before. You know, Esther had, I'm sure, eloquent words, but she didn't have to. She just had to have words. She just had to have the courage. Because it was doable, she was victorious. And you think about that in other, in, in other things that we read about throughout uh, the Old Testament. You know, Noah, maybe he was a great craftsman, but it didn't matter because he did what God said. Maybe he forgot to nail a couple things. Maybe he was a carpenter like me and it looked like garbage, but he didn't have to build the perfect ark because he was faithful. And Esther didn't have to have the perfect words because she did it. Because God was going to use her or he's going to use somebody else. I love her attitude, and I love this story because it reminds me that God has already won. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to do it exactly right because it's not about my power. 
I just have to endure. And, and it always seems like, you know, around the time that I feel like I'm living like a king and everything in my life is going great, that's when it all comes crashing down like it did for Esther. You know, I also think about Paul. Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, says in, in chapter 12, beginning at verse 7, he said, Lest I be exalted above measure, in the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, that it might, not, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul pleads, why, why me, God? Please take this thing away. Make it no longer part of my life. I need this away from me. I can be so much more effective if this thing wasn't bothering me, if this thing wasn't a part of my life. How many of us have that one thing in our life that we wish would just go away or get better or that one thing that we could just overcome? How many of us have wished that we could never have financial struggles anymore? Can I just, can I just put that part of my life behind me? Can I just check that box off and, and move on? I'm tired of struggling financial, financially. How many of us have, have said, uh, can, can, you, can, can, can you help me with a relationship, God? Can you, can you please give me this one significant other in my life? I need them so bad. Can you, can you heal my marriage? Can you make this person love me? If you could just do that, I'll be okay. Uh, God, if you could just make me healthy, make me skinny, fix my hair, fix my teeth, give me a car, give me a job. I'll be okay. I'll be good if you could just give me this one thing. Garth Brooks sang a song, and, and, and I did a little uh, encouragement video a few weeks ago about it. He sang a song called Unanswered Prayers. And when talking about the girl that he said he prayed every night uh, for God, to, to God to make her mine, he said, if he'd only grant this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. Has anyone ever prayed that prayer? God, if you just give me this, I'll never ask for anything again. God, if you just give me this, you'll never hear from me again. Have you ever thought that he realizes that that might just be true? And that if he gave you that girl, and if he gave you that thing you need, and if he, gave, if he took that thorn in the flesh away from you, that you'd never pray again. If he gave you that job, the financial success, the hair, the body, you'd never come back. You'd forfeit your inheritance because now it's about you and you are strong enough, but you're not. Paul gets it. Paul understands. Paul says, because I'm weak, it can show how great Christ is. Because I don't have it all together, others can see how important it is that Christ is working in me. If I was perfect, then it would be all about my power. It would be all about what I can do. But now I can boast in my infirmities. Paul says, look at me. I'm a freak. I'm a weirdo. I'm, I'm, I'm all messed up. I have all these things wrong with me, but why not me? These people hate me. 
I'm in need of all these things. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been imprisoned. I've been left for dead. I am nothing. And that's what makes Christ so amazing. Let me admit to you guys something that you already know. Tim Haywood is flawed. And thank God for it because why not me? Because if one person can look and see that God loves this wreck of a human being, then I can shout for joy for all the things that he's done for me. And it's worth it. Why not me? What about Christ? Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 26, 38, he says, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. And he goes to the garden knowing what's about to happen. Knowing that he's going to the garden and that he's not going to leave that garden a free man. And he's never going to be a free man uh, in, in the sense of, his physical body uh, after that night until he, until he dies. Verse 39, it says, He fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Why not me? Why not me is what he's saying. Why not me, God? Luke says that he was in such agony and that he prayed so earnestly that his sweat turned to blood. And Hebrews says that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. Why not me? Why not me to bring salvation to all the world? Why not me to be abused and to be cursed and to be spit upon and stripped and beaten and murdered? Why not me? For while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm so glad it was Jesus. I'm so glad Jesus said, why not me? Because I'm so glad that he took that on. Why not Jesus? Because if not for Jesus, it would have been me and it would have been you. Because of him, I can face tomorrow and all fear is gone. Why not me? Life is hard and going through pain and struggles sometimes makes us want to cry out, why me, why me, God? Like David, who, by the way, was a man after God's own heart. It's okay when we cry out like that sometimes. But do we ever say, how long will you forget me, God? Because when, when we have pain, when we have trials in our life, that's what it feels like, doesn't it? Maybe we're like Esther and we have to cry out and say, but why does it have to be me? Why do I have to be the one who is faithful? There's all these people around. Why is it me that has to make the stand? Why, why do I have to be the one that is, that is doing the work here? Maybe it's like Paul. Why me? Why do I have to constantly endure and face this, this annoyance in my life, this pain, this hurdle? When am I ever going to overcome this? When, are, when is life going to change and I can be able to take this on. Why me? Because God knows that you're tough enough. Because God created you to stand. Because God gave you a heart like His. And God can show us His power through our weakness. Because Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13, what Randy read for us a minute ago, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation will also provide the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. You can do it. And it might be that God is showing some amazing power by the way you endure that. You may be bringing others closer to God by enduring, enduring that struggle. And people can look and see your strength and realize it's not your strength because no human can overcome what you're having to go through. But understanding because you have the hope of something greater, because you have a relationship with someone more powerful, and because you have that promise of tomorrow, you're getting through it. And you're saying, why not me? Why not me? I can do it. Our greatest victory is within our grasp. And we can focus on the the cursed parts of our life and we can stare at defeat and cry, why me, why me, until it overtakes us like it always does. And we can decide, we can decide that this day is different though. We can decide like the the Red Sox, after facing 86 years of failure and down 3-0 in the ninth inning, we can say, why not me? God built me and created me to overcome this. I can do it. It's not easy. And there's going to be tears, and it's going to be hard, but I can do this. Why not me? Like Esther, facing losing her crown and even her own life, saying, why not me? Like Paul, dealing with all the things in life that made him weak and saying, why not me? And like Christ, with that ultimate responsibility of love, to take that on and say, why not me? The power of Christ is made perfect in our weakness. You know, I, I've, I, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone by naming any names, but I've had the privilege of spending uh, a lot of time today with more than one individual who, who, who were talking to me because they were down and they were weak and they were broken and they were incredibly strong. They were incredibly strong to be able to say, I can't do it on my own. But they knew that who they could do it with. They knew they needed God. And maybe you're in that same boat. And if you have that relationship with God, if you've been washed in his blood, then you have that privilege, that privilege to go to God and say, why not me? Not me by myself. Me with you, God. We can do it. Like David said as he finished the Psalm 13 after he cries out to God and he says, how long, how long will you forget me forever? He says, I've trusted in your love. I've trusted in you because you have brought victory to me and you've always been faithful to me. Because when we are down, God doesn't expect us to have a smile on our face the whole time and say, oh boy, this is fun. He knows that it's going to hurt, but he knows that we can do it. And if we don't have that relationship with God, if you haven't been washed in the blood of Christ, then why wait? This world is such an awful place for you, and I hurt for you not having that relationship and that opportunity to, to go to God and, 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 to, and to go to, to your church family to bring those, those burdens to let us help you carry those. So if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, don't wait any longer for that. You can come to the building. We'll wait for you tonight. We'll stay here all night if we have to. And if you're watching from some other part of the country and we're not close enough to you, just call us and, and we will guarantee that we'll find some place to, to take care of you tonight. And if you have been holding in that question of why me for so long, 
and you need some help to figure out why not me. And you need your brothers and sisters to, to, to hold you up and pray for you and help you through these situations. That's what we want to do for you. That's what we want to do for you. We want to break the curse. We want to break them in, in that cycle of pain and help you to make it. I need your help to make it, and, and, and I hope that, that you'll continue to help me, but I want to be able to help you too, and the rest of your family here does too. And if you need those prayers, and if you have those concerns, you can email Greg or, or Tim Hall or myself, and we'll make sure that, that we make those, those feelings known to the rest of the congregation so that we can all pray with you and pray for you. Thank you.